Matthew 6.34. We may as well read 6.33 because 6.33 is a real, real well-known portion of Scripture that everybody likes or should like. Uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all things will be what? Added. Hallelujah. Or given unto you. Here's the key verse that we're going to zero in on today. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. And some of you of Hispanic heritage, you have a word called manana. Really, honey, I'll do it. Manana. But there's a saying also in Spanish that says manana never comes. Because it's always tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Or sufficient is the evil thereof. Each day has enough trouble of its own. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Don't worry about it. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, I pray you have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody together say it. Amen. You may be seated. There is a saying, and we have a 12-step class, uh, Right Steps, Christian. And there's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, and there's also a philosophy that says one day at a time. One day at a time. Now, this teaching and this thought of one day at a time, it goes way back to the days of Christ. When Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, of which he was doing here in Matthew 6. He was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. See, Christ himself knew. He knew the value and the importance of neither living too much in the past nor too much in the future. But he knew the importance of trying to utilize all of our resources, all of our energies to focus on the present, on the here and now. Are you with me? Did you hear what I said? In other words, this is what he's trying to tell us here in, in, in Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry too much about your past. Don't be anxious too much about your future. But hey, don't miss the here and now. Uh, the present. Now, by living life one day at a time, it's going to require several things. And I want to bring that out and I want to teach it to us here this morning by living one day at a time. I'm going to be covering four things here this morning regarding living one day at a time. The first thing that I want us to look at, living one day at a time requires that we bury a good deal and much of the past. I didn't say all of it. But when you're going to live one day at a time, in the teaching that Christ is admonishing us here in Matthew 6, 34, you've got to be able, you know, to, to bury your past. I didn't say all of our past. I only said much and most of our past. Because certainly memory is such a very vital tool that we can sometimes use. The Bible uses the word remember a good number of times. Remember, remember. Bring this unto your remembrance. Christ even gave us, uh, uh, you know, ordinances and uh, the sacrament of communion when he tells us, do this in remembrance of me. See, so memory can serve its purpose. It's good to, to go to the past every now and again. And we've covered sermons on that. All right? But he says, don't focus too much on it. The past is a good place to visit, but don't make a bed there. <clears throat> we've said that before. Because many of you that come here, you have some of your past, wow. Ah. Uh, and oh, I got to go see a psychiatrist, psychologist, and psychotherapist, psychoanalyst, and uh, all that stuff. 
And we've had some problems. When we first started our ministry, people, well, I need some help. And so, you know, because they're there and, and you, you know, they're there for the good. But you've got to be very precautious and careful. The past is a good place to visit. Tell me you were a product of your environment. Tell me about your past. And so we'll just stay there. Uh, I guess I am rotten. I guess I did hate this, that, and the other. Uh, you've got to be very precautious. The past is a good place to visit, but just get there and get out. Don't stay there. Uh, so Christ is, is telling us, yes, to remember. And yet, my friend, while the ability to be able to remember and to recall, it does have its privileges, but it's even more better is the ability to use that very same mind to be able to forget. Don't miss what I just said there. It's good to be able to use your mind to remember, but it's also a whole lot better to utilize the very same mind to forget at times. See, we can use this brain, this mind, yes, to, to remember, but we can also use it to forget. And that's what Christ is trying to tell us right now. There's some things that are better off, left dead and buried. See, more often than not, our troubles and our problems, they lay not on that we forget what, we sh what should be remembered, but the problem is that we remember what should be forgotten. Ah. We're remembering too much. We're picking in our, in our past and bringing it up, rehashing it. We shouldn't be doing that. It's dangerous. We need to understand this. Thinkers can be choosy. Thinkers can be choosy. That's why I've given it the title, Fresh Choice. For the new year, hey, you have your choices. They're, they're fresh. Think about the good stuff, the present. Fresh choices. Now, some of us, we need to conduct what I've written here a a little mock funeral, a mock funeral ceremony, not an actual one, but one in which we will naturally and willfully celebrate at because we know we're getting rid of some things that need to be dead and buried in our lives. Things from our past that will live on today and forever much better. We will live much better without them. There are certain things that we can live a whole lot better off by forgetting them. How about burying our sins? Ah. Number one grave that we should have in this mock funeral is our sins. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. But so many of us have enjoyed uh, keeping our, our sins around, even secretly, little secret sins, hiding them in our closets, under our bed, under our tongue, uh, so that when we wanted to, we could conveniently and secretly pull them out again and play with them. You can't play with sin. You know why? Because sin don't play. Sin don't fool around. Sin be for real. You talking to me. You pulling me out again. Hey, here I come. You want to play with me? Hey. But he don't play. It'll come and mess with you. Remember me? I remember me. And I've said it before. Some of us that have a bad past. That's terrible. Uh, it's terrible. I thank God for the individuals that were brought up in church. Have very, you know, you don't have a whole bunch of past memories. Sometimes people say, well, man, look at this guy. He was delivered from this, that, and the other. He got to do this, that, and I don't get to do nothing. Thank God for that. Uh, you reap what you sow. Uh, man, it's better to be brought up in church all your life. I remember one time my son and I went to a uh, I think it was a full gospel business fellowship meeting. We were there. 
And it was Esteban and I, and some lady, old lady looking, you know, and long dress, long everything, and just got up and says, I thank God that he delivered me from heroin addiction. He delivered me from prostitution. We're looking at him. And he delivered me from alcohol. And we're like, wow. She don't look like it. She goes, because I never did him. <laughs> and we said, oh, man, all right. Huh? Well, she was delivered. <clears throat> she didn't have to go through all that stuff. Hallelujah. Ah, that's right. We've got to get rid of our sins because they don't play. The next grave that we should have is one of our past failures. See, so many of us have hung on to our failures, and by doing so, we become our own worst enemy. Bury them. Let them go. Our past failures. Ah, about the Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind. Remember what the book of Romans says in chapter 8? It says there, there is now therefore no more what? Kind of, it doesn't say there's no more failure. It doesn't say there's no more, no more mess-ups. Watch. Every time I use this illustration, I use this. How many of you failed this past week? Let me see your hand. Yeah. I wish the Pope was here. Hallelujah. Huh? But he's not here. It's all right. Well, they told me not to go over here, but if I go over there, I'll fail. Hallelujah. Uh, because of the feedback. Uh, let me fail. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't say there's no more failure. Nobody's going to be perfect. Uh, but don't, don't sulk on those things. Don't, 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 don't make a bed there. Uh, You've got to forget about your past failures. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. A fresh choice you have. Uh, a fresh choice. You got a, you got a brand new opportunity in 2003. Uh, another grave that we should have besides our past sins and our past failures uh, is our past successes. Because if we bask, my friend, and if we live too much on our past successes, they become handicaps rather than trophies. They become stumbling blocks rather than stepping stones. Look what I did. You know how many people I led to the Lord this year? And you, you feel like you've already arrived. You, you, you made it. Well, hey, let, let the new guys do it now. Uh, no. Just because you were successful this past year doesn't mean you're going to be successful this coming year. Be careful with your, with your past successes. Pretty soon we, we imprison ourselves with all those, those spiritual Cadillacs we had back in the old days. By that I mean if you've ever been in jail. Many of you haven't, thank God. But those people that go to jail, and I know a little bit, I visit. <clears throat> but you get all these guys, you know. And I've said it before. You know why the, the guys from jail and preaching walk real good? Because they get a lot of practice. And they talk about their Cadillac. They didn't have no Cadillacs. When I was out there, why I, you know, you know, I was a player, you know, a pimp, you know, and all. I had me. Well, then why are you in here, buddy? Oh. And that's what can happen to Christianity. Man, you should have seen me last year. Man, I preached. Man, it was powerful. Uh, souls got saved and slain in the spirit. Ooh. 
Ah. Benny Hinn and Tim Story could leave. <laughs> I can do that too. Ah. We got to bury some of those, even our successes. The last grave that we should bury, okay, our, our past failures, our past sins, our past successes. But the last grave we should do in this mock ceremony that we're having here is bury our past hurts. Those little foxes, those little annoyances, those little emotions we just can't seem or don't want to shake off because we've got hurt. I could write a whole sermon on this, and I have before, because, man, people get hurt so easy. Before some of you were so real rough and tough, and, you know, now you get saved and all your sensitivity comes back. <laughs> Where's your mustache at? May as well shave. Pastor didn't call me. He walked right by me. Ay, ay, ay. When somebody said this, that, and that about our, ourselves, this, that, and the other about you, and whether they were true or not, you got mad. You got upset. You got hurt. Even if they weren't true, who's talking about me? Ah. Uh, I mean, there's some people, and I'm sort of like, there's a, I mean, I like people that like me, but let me tell you something, none of you going to like you. They're not. They're not. I, I learned that from, from some of my leaders, you know, because I'm, I'm a very likable guy. Just a good amen. Uh, and he that wants to have friends should be first friendly, and I'm a friendly guy. But sometimes when you, when you start getting close to people, and then all of a sudden, if, if you don't guard your heart, they don't guard, then, you, then, then you always hurt the ones you love. Uh, and when you love a lot of people, sometimes they can come back to you. For God so loved the world. Uh, the world. Uh, but people can get so easy, so hurt. See, to my knowledge and experience, hurts do very little more than serve to, to punish us emotionally. Understand what I said. To my knowledge, hurts do very little more than to punish us emotionally. And they serve little or no value. They are not redeemable. We must not allow the defeats and disappointments of our past to get the better end of us. Bury those hurts. Don't, 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 you know, be, let them become little pets. Uh, well, there she is. God bless, God bless you. <laughs> We're going to be taking communion today. Uh, I mean, we got to try and be right with the Lord. Uh, make amends. Secondly, the second thing that we need to live one day at a time, okay, is we need to stop anticipating the future so much, all right? The second thing that we need, if we're going to live one day at a time, as Jesus instructs us in Matthew 6, 34, is we need to stop anticipating the future so much. Not totally again altogether, not, not, not totally, because vision is important. But just not so much. We all need some sort of, of looking to the future, yes, and anticipating the future, yes. But Christ wasn't telling us to totally throw out and disregard the future in Matthew 6, 34, in the opening verse that we read, when he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Okay? No, he's not telling us. Here's what he's doing. He's warning us of the natural tendency that all of us seem to have okay, of looking and relying too much on the future that we forget about our present. Uh, 
We need to make fresh choices today, for today. Uh, because when you rely too much on the future, you've got to be very careful. And, and you throw away the present. We used to have an individual in our church, and he played on our baseball team. He was our shortstop. God, he was good. But with this guy, he grew up in the Mission District in San Francisco. Very good baseball player. Matter of fact, wow, he was real, real, real good. When he was a kid, everybody would tell him, they'd see him play, say, you're going to make it to the big leagues. You're going to make it to the bigs. And this guy had potential to do it. Okay, this guy, whew, he played shortstop like nobody's, wow, he could, almost as good as me. <laughs> you know? And he could hit, lead off, run fast. Cat, I mean, this guy was, he had it. So when he was a kid, everybody told him in the Mission District, you're going to be a Major League Baseball player. And so he'd be like, wow. I mean, then he would run into Major League players. You're going to make it to the bigs. He anticipated the future so much, he started missing school, smoking weed, getting loaded. Why go to school? Why worry about the present? Why live in the present when I'm going to be a Major League Ball player? It affected him. Too much anticipation of the future that you omit the present. Uh, see, we humans, we have a tendency to allow both our hopes and our fears, our desires and our worries to forfeit our happiness because we worry too much. 3,000 people were asked in a survey what they were living for. Look at this. 3,000 people in a survey. What are you living for? They were asked. 90% of them said they were all waiting for something. 90% said that. They're waiting on something. They were waiting either to get married, waiting for their children to grow up, <laughs> waiting to retire, some of them mentioned, waiting for somebody to die, <laughs> waiting to graduate. Now some of you think waiting for somebody to die. No, no, you know that. When my mother goes, I'm going to get the house. When, oh, look what I'm going to get. And you forget about the present. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Anticipating. Uh, no. Waiting for tomorrow. While their today went by and slipped by unnoticed. Their today, their present was irrelevant. They were looking with binoculars to the future that they missed the blessings of the present that was right under their noses. They were looking for the future. Oh, look what I'm going to be. Look what I'm going to do. And they missed the present. Uh, see, Jesus also said in Matthew 6, which one of you can grow an inch of, to your life or add an inch by being anxious or worrying or anticipating for his life? Nobody. You can't grow an inch. See, worry changes nothing but the color of your hair. Took me a long time to think about that one, so I'm going to read it again. <laughs> Worry changes nothing <clears throat> but the color of your hair. Do you color your hair, Pastor Steve? People ask me that. You know what I tell them? Only my hairdresser knows for sure. <laughs> and I'm my hairdresser. So you'll never know. Ah. Think, if you will. Remember all the ill and the bad that happened to you last year, these past 12 months. Then put your hand one inch from your nose. You're still breathing. 
You're still breathing. All the worry you had last year, all the stuff that you went through, hey, you're still alive. You're still here. Ah. As long as you're breathing, there's what? You made it through last year, you can make it through the coming year. Uh. Says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Just you got to be precautious. Thirdly, living one day at a time, it also involves having a greater sense of urgency about the present. That's what it involves, thirdly. Having a greater sense of urgency about the present. We need to value the present and employ it, not toy with it, our present. See, way too many of us, we fail to, to see and realize the importance of the time we have at hand each day. Uh, one missionary years ago in Africa, he was walking by a farm and he saw a farmer's son playing with a big old stone, a big old rock. And it caught his attention. It was so big. He saw the little boy playing with the stone. And he stops and he, and he observes it. He starts checking it out. It happened to be a huge diamond in Africa. Uh, see, the little boy was playing with something he didn't value. And sometimes that's the way it is with us with time. We don't value, we're just toying with it. Playing. Instead of employing it, we're toying with it. Uh, time. It's uh, the way it is with a number of us. We play with it, with our time. With the days and the years God has given to each and every one of us. Ignoring their worth, ignoring the value of time. Somebody has correctly, correctly said this. Next to, to, next to God, respect time. And that's the theme of my sermon here today. Understand what I'm trying to tell you here today. Next to God, respect time. That's my theme. What's my theme? Next to God, respect time. Uh, no man knoweth the hour. He said, you know, he says money can be replaced by work and by commerce. Even health can be reestablished through science and exercise. Uh, but time cannot be brought back. Next to God, respect time. See, Jesus was the master of time management. He knew how to use his time to the fullest, daily, day to day. He knew how to do that. Sometimes he'd be with, with, with Nicodemus working one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes he'd be with a woman at the well working one-on-one. -on -one. Then other times he'd be preaching to thousands. He knew how to use and redeem his time. Christ understood the urgency of time, of making the most of his time, of taking advantage and valuing his time. He did so much the life of Christ in only a span of three and a half years of ministry. Uh, that's why whenever you study the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus says, do this, that, and the other. He says, because my time has not yet come. But the, he says, my time hasn't come. See, he was very conscious of time. They say, you should go do this, that. No, he says, no, that's not my time yet. He knew. He was very, very precautious and conscious of time. That's the reason why he's still telling us and instructing us in this opening scripture there in Matthew 6.34. He's telling us, concentrate on the day at hand. Do what you can today. Don't miss your window of opportunity. 
Uh, and I like, did you read Josie's Jewel this, this, this week? It goes right along. She didn't know what I was going to preach on. But I like it. It says, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. <clears throat> we don't want it. I don't know if you remember, I had a sermon years ago that I spoke called, here, it was the longest sermon title I've ever had in my life. Remember that? It, it said this. It was, it, was a, it was a cemetery and it said, here lies opportunity. It didn't make it because nobody would take it. In other words, it had some place to go, but it didn't make it because nobody picked it up and took it where it wanted to go. It didn't reach its destination. So it just died. Opportunities that we have afforded before us. And listen, let me tell you something, Victor Albert, we got some opportunities before us. There's a number of stuff. We're not just your typical church on the corner. Somebody just wrote that. And I read it. Uh, but I need to drive that home and reinforce it. We're not. I mean, we're, 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 we, you know, we, we affect the world. Uh, and there's more diamonds in Africa. And I'm not talking about literally. I'm talking about spiritually. The ladies literally too, there is diamonds in Africa. Uh, uh, so you can send your missionary husband on a trip. Uh, he can win souls and maybe bring you something back too. Uh, but I mean, we have quite a window, doors of opportunity before us to go this way. Uh, and just the other day, I was here on, on, on Wednesday or uh, Tuesday evening because we were thinking, what can we do for the youth? We can't do, man, the poor youth, they, don't, they have their own room, but they don't have their own room. They, they sort of have their own room, but they don't have their own room. They're going to have their own office. What can we do for the youth? And all of a sudden, my wife says, well, you know what? We can build a, we can build a second story on top of the children's church. Hmm. Wow, that's true. Ah. Or we could put a elevator and have the kids up there. Hallelujah. But the opportunity's there. We can't waste it. Then fourthly, and last of all, living one day at a time involves exhibiting a greater faith in God. Exhibiting, that's point number four, exhibiting a greater faith in God. Don't forget to include God in all that we intend to do. Keep God in your equation, in your plans. See, my friend, it's going to be God who's going to give us the power to, to perform the first three things that we covered. Bury the past. Don't put too much stock or emphasis on the future. And have a greater sense of urgency about the present. Without God, all things are possible. Excuse me. With God, all things are possible. But without God, so many things are impossible. We've got to include God. Especially to forget our past and our future. I mean, because some of, so many of us, men, we need God's help. It's God that gives us the, the, the power. Uh, we can't do it on our own. You know, I got willpower. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. This year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop uh, annoying my pastor. I know I can. I'm going to bring him strawberry cheesecake every Sunday. I know I can. Huh? Willpower, but if you ask God to help you, then you'll be able to help me. Uh, with God, he'll, he'll bring these things into your remembrance. Remember? You remember? You said what you were going to do here, and he'll bring these things. He'll help you. So we need to include God. Uh, if we have, if we give God our past, he can bury it, and he can forget it. If we give God our future, He can preserve it and take care of it. And if we give God our present, He can bless it and He can use it. 
See, God is trying to shout to us in Matthew 6 to do as much as we can with the realm of the present. When you worry about the future, that's fear. Then you leave no room for faith. Be a good steward of the present. Uh, Colossians 4, 5 and Ephesians 5, 6, things, they both instruct us about this. Um, Colossians 4, 5 and Ephesians 5, 16. To redeem the time. Now, when you take an empty soda bottle or a plastic soda can, many and most of them, they have this thing what we call redemption value. Uh, you ever seen that? If you look, the two cents redemption value. Hardly any of us do that. A, a, a can, you know. It has a redemption value. All those things. But we don't quite use it. What that means is you buy the product, then you can take it back and have it redeemed because it has value to it. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Uh, he came and he bought our salvation. He purchased us back. And we have redeeming value. He gives us to the Father, and the Father redeems us, buys us back. We were, and we're, be able, we're able to be used by Him. But you know what? So many of us, we spend time on things that are not too valuable. Uh, that's not too redeemable. We could be spending time on our knees. You know, hey, the game, hey. Uh, the devil tricks us. Uh, we're not spending time on things that are redeemable. Well, we could be praying and fasting and doing a job on the devil. We, we got we to gotta allot our time to things that are going to hit the devil right upside the head and between the nose. But we do so many things that are not redeemable. That are, not, that are not being able to, 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 to buy, be bought back with value, with worth. Listen, this year, decide that you're going to do things that are going to be valuable and, and, and of worth. Is coming to church value? Then make up your mind. Have a mind. This year, I'm going to do it up. This year, man, I'm going to have me a devotional life. Morning and night, I'm going to pray. That's redeemable. That can be, that can be bought back. Uh, you, can, you can turn it into God, and he's going to say, yeah. Uh, well, look at this. It's got a redemption value to it. Prayer, study, fasting. We fast on Mondays, by the way. Uh, we fast on Mondays. We refrain from food until the evening. Uh, but when we put all those things together, man, it's powerful. And if we're going to do what God has called to do, we need to do those things. Check your life out this year. What are some of the things? I mean, we waste too much time. There's no value to it. My wife's been talking about that. Uh, so many little things that, man, uh, we, we need to do things that are, that are value. You know, honey, you are so beautiful. Is that valuable? Yes. It is going to come back to haunt me. And I can take that. All right, I'm ready. Go ahead. Uh, but we do other stuff. You know, man, uh, why don't you call me? That's not redeemable. Uh, Non-refundable. Uh, we got to do things that are, that, 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 you know, of worth, that are important, that are going to count unto eternity. That's the scripture that we gave Ed and Steve. Uh, 
Revelation 14, 13. And their works do follow them. You know what that means? That means, that's actually like a, a, a whatever we do here on earth is going to follow us into eternity. That's what we wrote on the certificate. Only, only time will tell. Only eternity will tell the worth and the value of the things that you guys did for us. Uh, even in the church we used to be in. And some millionaire passed away and he left him some finances. But every time we would be there, we packed out the place. Remember that? The one over on Grove? But I would always think about the people that, that helped build that church. It used to be the biggest church, one of the biggest churches in the whole bay. 1,500 members, three services they used to have. But, the, but every time we'd be in there, I was thinking, you know what, I think God's, the works do follow them. God's going and giving the, the people that, that built that church, he's giving them a, a, a diamond. He's giving them some jewelry. Because look, you built this, and right now souls are getting saved in that place on a Wednesday night, on a Friday night. Things that are redeemable. Like we can redeem the time. We can buy some of that time that we spend on ourselves and give it to others. Did you hear what I said? Uh, God is trying to tell us to take the things that are in our, in our life that are aimless and useless and redeem them for things that have purpose, meaning, and eternal worth. And genuine Christianity is such a life. Who knows, God may have redeemed you for such a time as this. Forget about those things that are aimless and worthless. Get things that are purposeful in your life. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. For such a time as this. Opportunity is before us. Purposeful. Meaningful. Fresh choice. Fresh choices we can make this year. We can start anew. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He's moving. He's brooding over hearts here this morning. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to pray for those, those of you that say here this morning, I want to start making some fresh choices. Here and now. Fresh. Right now. The present. Sufficient is the evil for tomorrow. Forget about the past. Bury that. Your past sins, your past failures, your past successes, your past mistakes. Those can be buried. But the here and now. Take advantage of the opportunities of the here and now. Why wait until this? Waiting for that. No, 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 no. The present. The here and now. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to pray for those of you that God has challenged your life here this morning to say, you know what? I want to live my present out to the full of, fullest of its capacity. I want to take full advantage of the here and now. I want to take full advantage of the here and now. the future in God's hands. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, Spirit of God, moving and ministering. So, Brother Steve, the sermon was for me. And I want to culminate it in prayer. And I want you to pray for me. If that's you, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. The sermon was for me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right there where you're at. Allow me the privilege to pray for you. This year, I don't want to let 
the present go by because I'm thinking too much of the past, thinking too much of the future. You're going to be a major league baseball player. Well, so what? I want to think about the here and now. This individual dropped out of school because he thought he was going to be a major league ball player. He didn't become a major league ball player. He ended up in one of our rehab homes. He's got his life back today. But it's too late to be a ball player. So if you hit us about, never ask the Spirit of God, move into ministry. So this the goes for me. And I want you to pray for me, Brother Steve. If you haven't stood with these that are standing, I want to ask you to stand your feet right there where you're at. If you want to be included in this prayer, we're going to pray. Anybody else? Hallelujah. I'm going to wait a few moments and we're going to pray. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. You know, I know that there's a lot of people standing. And I could make this into an altar, but I'm going to have those of you that are standing to take a second step. I'm going to ask you to come and stand here at this altar. Come and stand at this altar. You don't have to kneel because there's a lot of you. But I want everybody standing to come and stand here at this altar. I want to say a prayer for you. Fresh choice. Fresh choice. Starting this year. 2003 is not about me. It's about him. It's about others. We want to buy some time that we spend on ourselves and give it to him. We want to buy some time. We want to redeem the time that we spend on ourselves and give it to others. I mean, to some of you, you may say, man, what, what an opportunity to go to Indonesia and Philippines. And that's true. I'm going to take advantage of that. But I don't relish that. I would love to stay home and be with my children, my wife, and you. Rather than go someplace where people don't even know who I am right now. But I've seen what can happen when you put your life on hold and on the side and live for others. Now we can go into the Philippines. We have four churches there. Hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of people that love the Hayward Church and Victory Outreach Ministries as a whole. Because we chose to put ourselves on hold and live for others. Those of you in the audience, would you bow your heads and help me pray for these that are here. Those of you that are standing at this altar, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, teach me to do what you did to redeem. You redeemed me, my soul, by dying on the cross. Help me to die to self daily to live for you, your plan, your strategies for my life and to live for others. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of Man who loved me and died for me. I know there is now, therefore, no more condemnation. 
there could be mistakes. There could be failures. Even sins in my life. Jesus, by the power of the blood you shed on the cross, I beg your forgiveness. I pray your forgiveness. I ask your forgiveness. I beseech your forgiveness for my sins, my selfishness. This past year, I'm sorry. I open up my heart. I invite you to come in. Take control of my life from this day on. I surrender to you. Use me and help me to live for the present, the here and now, as best as possible. Because according to your word, the future will take care of itself if I take care of my present. In your name I pray. Amen. Let me say a prayer for all of you that are standing. Take control. 